So today we continue with our Revelation series and we are going to, I know that we, re, we, we continue to read different chapters going forward, but I want us to come back to chapter 4 today and I want us to read that together. So Revelation 4 from verse 1. So just to recap a little bit, we started a few weeks ago, I think this is today's our part seven in the series, and we started and we looked at Revelation saying that there's nothing new written in Revelation. We've acknowledged that it is a challenging book and that there are different interpretations. We also looked at the fact that Revelation has 800 plus quotes of the rest of the Bible in it, and that in a sense, Revelation is a conclusion of everything that has happened in the Bible before. We've also mentioned that um, this is not a book that is very often spoken about or preached about because of the division and the different ways that people understand it, but we, as a family, we are looking at the different approaches and we are focusing on the one person who is revealing and it is the unveiling of Christ. So that is our focus. And we're not focusing so much on the plan <coughs> sorry, and how that is going to come about, but we're focusing on our Lord Jesus Christ. And that will be our focus um, throughout. Last week, we, well, firstly we said we saw in the Old Testament that God gave the first books of the law to Moses and we've gone through a, a recap of the whole Bible just quickly and verses that refer to um, Revelation. And then we said, said at the end, the, the book of Revelation is Jesus Christ himself who comes down and unveils the whole Bible and concludes everything for us. And so today, and then last week we spoke about um, the conclusion of the seven churches and the main issue that Christ wanted them to know is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And so today we are going to focus on chapter 4, which is all about the throne in heaven, which is also the heading. So let us look at that chapter. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and chameleon, a rainbow resembling an emerald, encircled the throne, surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones, and seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, 
rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. Even under his wings, day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. May God bless us as we continue to ask the Spirit to interpret the word for us today. When we look at this picture that has been so descriptive for us in chapter 4, one thing that comes to mind is that chorus that we sing um, at Christmas time, O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. that John is giving us when he's gone into heaven is a picture of worship. A picture of people bowing down. A people of living creatures worshipping God with all they are and for who God is. I believe that true spiritual worship is perhaps one of the greatest needs in our individual lives and in the life of the church today. And I believe this is also why this has been given so clear to us, this, this picture, when Christ said to John, come with me, and immediately he was in heaven. 
And there's a constant emphasis today on for witnessing for Christ, which is important. We need to witness for Christ. We need to tell people about Jesus. But that witnessing should come from an attitude of complete and total surrendered worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a balance. The two go together. And also as we spoke about the love, how we should love God, this worship flows from that love that we have for God. To worship means to ascribe worth. And in that chorus, there's another third verse that we sing. For he alone is worthy. For he alone is worthy. For he alone is worthy. Christ the Lord. And it means to use all that we are and all that we have to praise God for all that he is and for all that he does. Heaven is a place of worship. And I believe that we should start doing that now already to prepare ourselves for worshiping God. What does it mean? Does it mean that we have to jump up and down? Does it mean that we have to continuously shout out God's name? Worship is different for each and every one. Here we have a picture of the worship that they are presenting to God, a heavenly worship. We can sit completely quiet with anybody, nobody knowing what is going on within our heart. And we could be in the deepest worship before God's throne, worshiping Him. God knows our heart. And it makes no difference. Yes, we can jump up and down if that is the way you feel that you are close to God. Yes, we can dance. Yes, we can sing. There are so many ways. So many ways that we can worship God. In nature, there are places where we actually feel closer to God. Maybe you feel closer to God when you come to church and you're with others. The Bible actually says, do not give up worshiping together. Because it pleases God. And we also encourage one another. Because the Bible said, the day of the Lord is near. Chapter 4 is a transition of, we spoke about the churches and what um, Jesus said to John, write these things down of the things that are to come. And, and chapter 4 is a transition from the church age then into heaven, giving a glimpse into heaven. Because that is what Christ said to John when he took him into heaven. And it, it appears that in this experience, John is illustrating what will happen to the church when the church is not here on earth anymore. Heaven will open. There will be a voice and the sound of a trumpet. And the saints will be caught up to heaven. And then God's judgment of the earth can begin. But before the judgment, 
God gives us a glimpse into the glory and permits us to hear the worshipping creatures in heaven as they praise God. So the key word for us today, and this is going to be our, our centre today, is the word throne. Because in the NIV Bible translation, it appears 11 times. In other translations, it appears up to 14 times. This is actually the key word in the whole book of Revelation. Because appearing round and about, deepening upon which way we look at the worship that is happening, because it's all about God sitting on the throne. It is all happening in the throne room. No matter what happens on earth, no matter how you feel in the morning when you wake up, or what circumstances you have, if your bank balance is on naught, guess what? God is still sitting on the throne. Even though COVID, we might have a third wave, whatever happens, God is sitting on the throne and nothing, no power on heaven or on earth or under the earth, no political party, nothing, nothing can dethrone God. That is a constant and that is our assurance. We have looked at the different interpretations of Revelation and we will be open to the different ways as we continue. But we all agree that John is emphasizing the glory and the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty meaning that nothing can dethrone him. He's in charge of everything. And what an encouragement for them at that time and what an encouragement for us today as we face our challenges and go through life knowing that God will always be on the throne. So we have these pictures of on the throne, around the throne, before the throne and things coming from the throne. So let's look at that. On the throne is Almighty God, God the Father, because the Son approaches the throne and the Spirit is pictured before the throne. And there's no possible way for us as humans often to describe this God in his essence and in his awesomeness. We look for words, but John is taking comparisons and he's giving us pictures. He says jasper. Jasper is a clear gem and sardine is red. The Lord is robed in light. And so both jasper and sardine were found in the breastplate of the high priest. Remember the high priests in the Old Testament that were allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. There were different sections for the temple and only the priest was allowed to go once a year, the high priest, and make atonement for all the sins. And in Jesus Christ, that falls away because Jesus died once and for all and therefore our sins 
are forgiven. But here John is wanting us to understand this glory, this beauty, this magnificence of God. So he uses these um, descriptions and um, trying to paint a picture, picture for us. So that's on the throne is Father God. Around the throne we see the elders and the living creatures. The rainbow was around the throne vertically, while heavenly beings were around the throne horizontally. They are, as it were, the king's court. Because remember, this is where the judgment is going to come from. So who are these 24 elders? We have said previously when we read um, Revelation 4 that they represent the church, the believers. And they cannot be angels because angels are not numbered, they are not crowned, or they are not throned. And so there's definitely a difference between the, the angels and the elders. Because the crowns that they were wearing were victory crowns. And we have no evidence that angels ever received any reward in the Bible. Well, I have not read it anywhere. And these elders represent the people of God in heaven enthroned and rewarded. Because remember, we will be rewarded for following Jesus. Our first reward would be that we are with him forever and ever, and we don't face judgment. But our works, that what we have done for Christ, will be rewarded. So when we think about, well, okay, fine, I've come to Jesus, that's fine. So you will most probably get into heaven by the skin of your teeth. But we need to serve God. We need to, to and serving God means sharing, but being sensitive to the Spirit. How to share, how to speak to people, leading a Bible study. You can start a Bible study at your home with your neighbors. You don't have to wait for the minister to tell you to do anything. You are a priest, you are a king, you are a queen, a princess, a prince, and you have that spirit that can lead you into serving Christ and having your works presented before God as well. There are many different things. You can be there for other people. You can, you can pray for people. There are... There, Ask the Spirit to help you, and the Spirit will show you exactly what you need to do. God's people are described as kings and priests, reigning and serving with Christ. And we especially notice this praise that is going on. This is the focus of this chapter. When we read in the book of Daniel, we saw that the thrones that Daniel saw were empty, and now we see that John sees the thrones and they are all filled. And since in the Old Testament there were 12 tribes of Israel and 12 apostles, the number 24 could be symbolizing the completion of God's people. And so the white robes and the gold speaks of victory that they have, the crowns on their head as well. And these are the overcomers who have conquered because of their faith in Christ. There's going to most probably come a time when people, we will have to choose. 
like other people around the world who are persecuted, they are being asked, do you believe in Jesus? And if they say yes, they say, if you say yes, you believe in Jesus, you're going to be killed. If you deny him, you can continue living. What are we going to do when we stand before that choice one day? This is what it's speaking about in Revelation because this is what the people face, life or death. And so the reward is for those who stay faithful because of Christ. The reward is there. Also around the throne, John saw four living creatures who were nearer to God than the angels and the elders. And they resembled the cherubim and the prophet Ezekiel, what he saw. But their praise reminds us of the seraphim of belief that these special creatures symbolize God's creation and are related to God's covenant with Noah. Remember what happened in the Old Testament where God, I think the saddest verse for me in the Bible is that God said, it grieved God that he created man. And so therefore the flood came. And God said to Noah that he must take pairs of animals. And then after that, there was a promise again. And so God made promise, not only with man, but also with animals that went on the ark. And so he, that covenant is still true today, because he rules his creation from his throne. And the presence of the emerald rainbow further enhances this image, since the rainbow was given as a sign of the creation covenant. Because even as we see the rainbow here, we think about the rainbow in the Old Testament with Noah, we also know that Ezekiel had a vision of God, and it was in the appearance of a rainbow as well. And then we also later in Revelation will see that it speaks about the, the rainbow. And that refers to that covenant that God will not break. He has to. As, as, as much as he cannot be dethroned, he cannot break his promise to us and the covenant. And no matter what terrible judgments may fall on God's earth, he will be faithful to keep his word. Humans may curse him during this judgment, but nature will praise him and magnify his holiness. Just as this picture, as we're seeing here, they are representing nature and the animals as well. The cherubim described seems to have to play a part in the providential workings of God because we know that God also works with what happens in nature. God is working in this pandemic. God is bringing people closer to him because people are thinking about death. So what happens to me when I die? If I do not believe in Jesus, I go to hell. If I do believe in Jesus, I will be saved and I will be with God. There are um, nature with tsunamis. With I'm not saying that this is a punishment, but I'm saying that God works in and through whatever happens in nature as well, through floods, through um, so many things that we've seen, earthquakes, things that do happen often when we have 
a, um, a disaster is that people globally all around the world come together as a community and start helping each other. People go out and share the good news of Jesus. That is an opportunity as well. So God works because he accomplishes his will and all nature praises and thanks him. Um, finally, the name of, um, used by the creatures, Lord, God, Almighty, clearly emphasizes the power of God. And as we look at the name Almighty, it is used nine times in Revelation. And the only usage of this word in the New Testament, Lord God Almighty, but it is found 31 times in the book of Job. Because the book of Job also speaks about Job trusting in God. He lost everything, his family, everything. Everybody was cursing him because he was still worshipping God. And he said to God, God, even though you slay me, I will never stop worshipping you. So the sovereignty, the almightiness of God comes through in Job as well. Now we see out, what is coming out of the throne is these storm signals in verse 5. And from the throne proceeds flashes of lightning and sounds of peals of thunder. And these are indications of a storm brewing and coming, a reminder of God's awesome power. And these storm signals will also be repeated um, as we go through revelation and the parts of the judgment as well. Always proceeding from the throne and temple of God. God has indeed prepared his throne for judgment. The world does not want to see God as a judging God. Everybody wants to see God as a loving God and that he will not punish us. And yes, but we have to see that God is certainly a God of grace. But his grace reigns through righteousness in Christ. And this was made clear on the cross where Jesus manifested both his love, his love for us who are sinners, but also his wrath, his hate for sin. He doesn't like sin. Therefore, he sent his son to die on the cross. And that those who believe in him will have eternal life. Now we come to before the throne. We've had on the throne, around the throne, out of the throne, before the throne, the lamps and a sea. In verses 5 and 6. The seven lamps refers to the completeness and also to the Holy Spirit of God. It appears that John is suggesting that in Revelation that the heavenly sanctuary follows the pattern of the earthly tabernacle and temple. So if we use parallels, we can see the earthly temple in the Old Testament, the heavenly sanctuary in Revelation, the Holy of Holies, where the um, priest went in, I spoke to earlier of, the throne of God, the seven-branched candlestick, the seven lamps of fire before the throne, the bronze Labor, it's like a bowl, sea of glass, 
cherubim over the mercy seat, four living creatures around the throne, the priests, elders, king of priests, the brazen altar, also an altar in Revelation, the incense altar, there's an incense altar in Revelation, Ark of Covenant, there is spoken about the Ark of Covenant in Revelation. So as we conclude, all of heaven is God's sanctuary for those who serve before his holy throne. However, John indicates that there is a special sanctuary of God, and this is this picture that we see in heaven. Everything is taking place around the throne of God. The crystal sea refers to God's holiness, and the mingled fire speaks of his holy judgment. The crystal firmament of Ezekiel's vision also comes to mind. It was the foundation for God's throne, and we meet the sea of glass again connected with Israel's victory over Egypt. Verses 9 to 11. I'm going to read, and that is what we're going to conclude with. Whenever the living creatures give glory and thanks to him, the living creatures said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever they did that, and they gave that to him, the thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him, who sits on the throne and worship him, who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. As we reflect upon this chapter during the week, be mindful of your sense of worship, your attitude towards worship. When you sit on your own, when you're walking in the street, whatever you are doing, do you have that heart of worship? Whenever the living creatures glorified God, the elders would fall before the throne and praise him. And we notice as we read Revelation that it is full of praise. The emphasis on praise is so significant when we remember that John wrote this book to encourage people who were going through suffering and persecution. And so the hymn that we are reading about in Revelation 4 is about God the Creator. While the elders praise God, the Redeemer, we will see in chapter 5 as it continues as well. The praise is given to the Father on the throne, while in it is directed to the Son, the Lamb before the throne. And the closing hymn is expressed to both another proof of the deity of Jesus Christ. The deity means that Jesus came as a baby, as a human, but he was also divine, he was holy, he was from God, he came from glory to earth. And that shows us the deity, the humanity and the divinity of Jesus Christ. 
So if the 24 elders typify the people of God in heaven, then we must ask, why should God's people praise God the Creator? If the heavens, when we read in the Psalms, the heavens declare the glory of God, why should we not, as God's people, heavenly people, join in this chorus? Creation bears constant witness to the power, to the wisdom, and the glory of God, acknowledging Him as the Creator. And as we do that, it is a step towards trusting God as our Redeemer, the one who delivers us, the one who saves us. All things were created by Him and for Him, and by Him all things exist. All things are held together by him. <clears throat> Sorry. But we know that we do things wrong. But we also know that as we look at this chapter in chapter 4, we know that there is a mercy seat. We know that there is grace. And I pray that we will have a desire to share this with others so that when we share the gospel with them, we will do it as an attitude of worship flowing through us, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we have read your word to us and heard your word by your spirit. Fill us with your spirit so that we can, we can worship you, praise you, adore you, bow before you, and with the heavens and nature declare your glory forever and ever. Amen.